Well, this morning we have a very special guest. Uh, Dr. Bobby Bonner is a hero uh, of the faith in my life uh, as a young Christian. Uh, Brother Bobby was in Zambia at Kafula Fuda Mission and uh, reaching nationals with the gospel, training in a Bible institute there. Had the privilege of, of seeing the work through the lens of our local church that supported his ministry. Years later, had the privilege to go visit uh, the ministry there. Brother Bobby was there. Uh, a man named Kevin Pesky was there. And we preached a resurrection conference over Easter. And uh, man, just an amazing ministry. Uh, an amazing opportunity for me as a young preacher uh, to get to go and, and to be able to preach to uh, you know, people in the bush and, and at at Easter, the, the resurrection, the thing that we celebrate, right? And uh, God changed my life on that trip. I think my wife even told me, she was like, you're, you're, you preach different after that trip. And, uh, and so I, I'm so blessed personally, if nobody else is, man, I am, to have you here today, brother. And I'm very, very thankful uh, that Brother Bobby Bonner is with us today. He's a man of God. He's a faithful servant. He'll tell you more about his life and his ministry, uh, but I want us to know how blessed we are today to have him. And so as he comes, you give him a welcome this morning. Brother Bobby, come, please. Love you. Amen so much. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good morning. How are you doing, church? Amen. Been a long time since I've been here. Wow. Got a few more people. Got my grandson, his lovely wife here, Miss Hannah. Wow. It's so good. Amen. I just uh, found out another one of my grandchildren got married. Uh, and, you know, Scotty got married. Did I tell you that? Yeah, I did. Didn't I? And so now I've actually got, uh, I think, 14 grandkids now and a two great-grands. So, you know, been married 48 years to my high school sweetheart. Miss Becky could not be here because of those grandkids, okay? Uh, my third-born daughter, I have four daughters. Uh, Stacy is in Kansas City, and Stacy lost her job, and so she said, Mom, I need a babysitter. Well, I go out and look for jobs. So she uh, had a little uh, girls' night over, sleepover last night with a 5-year-old and a 4-year-old. So she texted me this morning. She said, I'm too old for this, okay? But anyway, <laughs> so I thought, well, you know, they all got married and got away. You know, we'd be traveling together and all that stuff. But she wanted to come really bad. And Jay, it's a real privilege, Brother Jay. I, I love you so much and uh, mean a lot to me, your family. You've been able to visit the work. little promo here on the table back over there to the left. Uh, this is uh, my wife. Uh, when I had my... Two blood clots went in my heart 12 years ago here in Decatur, Alabama, and destroyed 70% of my heart. So I had to come over to Huntsville. I was rushed by ambulance over here to Huntsville, and they operated, and uh, they uh, had to put a new valve in my heart. They put a pig valve in there. So my daughter, Angela, has been making me bacon every morning, and I cry every morning as I eat it. But anyway... I don't know why I'm still here, but I am. I was on my back for a little while, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I would just kind of take and just hit me like a freight train, you know. You guys have been in the valley, right? You know, you've been in the valley, you've been on the mountain, you've been close to God, you feel His presence so awesome, and it's like one of those, you know, you just can't already speak because you've been in the presence of God, and then you've got to go back down the valley again. Well, guess what? That's where you grow. As a matter of fact, an old-time preacher told one time in his message, he said, you never farm on top of the mountain. He said, you farm in the valley. 
You keep planting the seed, even though you're going through a tough time, okay? You know, keep watering it. Keep reading in the Word of God. Keep staying true to the cross, to our Savior that we sung about this morning. So my wife begged me while I was on my back for 14 months over there in Decatur during that rehab of my heart. She had me do a little story of my life for my grandkids because I didn't know if I was going to live. doctor said I may not live, so I am technologically challenged, okay, when it comes to typing or computer. I got through typing class because of a little girl by the name of Camille Macaulay. I've not seen her since 1974, but when I was in typing class, she sat right next to me, and when the teacher wasn't looking, she would reach over and go... I ended up getting an A in typing, and I couldn't even figure out where everything was, you know. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of uh, troubled when it comes to the computers and phones and stuff like that, but I, I, I've been known to crash a few, amen. But anyway, so anyway, I, I wrote this book, a little story of my life. Those of you that don't know, I was a professional baseball player, uh, played seven years with the Baltimore Orioles. Four years at the major league level, 80, 81, 82, and 83. Uh, we won the World Series in 83. I was on that team. So, you know, there was an unknown guy that, that took my place. I was the shortstop for the Orioles until Cal Ripken Jr. came on the scene. And then <laughs> he took everybody's place for about 19 years, if you know anything about the Iron Man, you know. So I had to play second or third. And so in 84, I became a free agent. I was 28 years of age, and, and the Lord broke my heart in uh, Christmas of 83, after we won the World Series, Christmas time, and I'm praying, and God just really got a hold of me. Now, I got saved when I was seven, in 1978, after my first year of pro ball. I got saved. I mean, I got saved. But I was your basic boogerhead. I didn't grow up in church. I wasn't a Baptist, I wasn't a Catholic, I wasn't a Methodist, I wasn't a Lutheran, I wasn't a Presbyterian. I didn't know, I was your basic boogerhead, okay? But I wasn't a fool. I believed there was a God, I believed there was a devil. I believed there was good, and I believed there was bad, my dad showed me what would happen if I did something bad, amen? If I got whooped at school, and my dad found out about it, I got whooped when I got home. It wasn't go argue with the teacher, You're, they're an authority over you, you obey them. That's just the way I was brought up. So I had like a healthy fear of my dad's belt. You know what I mean? And so even though I was not saved, even though I didn't know, you know, I believed there was a God. I wasn't a fool. Unfortunately, our young people are going to college and they're being educated into becoming a fool. You realize that? No young person is born an atheist. You're educated into believing because once you start grabbing a hold of a lie, Okay, you reject truth, but you believe a lie, you start believing that. And the world and its system and the devil, he's the father of all lies, my friend. This world is not my home, I'm just passing through. The only thing I have today that's the truth, the absolute truth, nothing but the truth, is found in the pages of this book. It's God's Word. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The Bible also says it's impossible for God to lie. You may be out there and you go, you know, that's just a book. No, it's not just a book. 
It's the Word of God. You say, no, only the originals. Guess what? The originals are gone. All we have are copies of copies of copies of copies, and now we have something that's, I believe, perfect, without error, before us. You say, well, I want to hear God's Word out loud. I, I want to hear God speak out loud. Read the Bible out loud. This is God's Word. And so I did a lot of searching when I got saved. Like I said, I went to a Catholic Mass after I got saved. I didn't know what an Old Testament was. I didn't know what a New Testament was. All I knew is once I was blind, but now I see. Once I had no peace, now I got peace. Once I had guilt, now my guilt is gone because of Jesus Christ. Because I called on Jesus Christ to save my soul, October 1978, in Bryan, Texas, at an altar, I fell on my face before God and said, Be merciful to me, O God, a sinner. I have sinned against heaven, sinned against you, sinned against my family, sinned against my wife. I'm just a dirty, rotten sinner. I deserve hell. But God, your word says, if I'll call upon you to save me, you'll save me. And I believed, as it says in Ephesians 1.13, I believed in the gospel. I believed the gospel that Jesus died for me, that he was buried, and that he rose again according to the scriptures. And just like it says in Romans, I confessed with my mouth and called upon him to save my soul. When I got up off my knees, I knew something had happened. Brother Jay, the guilt was gone, man. I began to run to tell my friends all about what happened to me. And, oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, you know, boy, they all took off. I lost all my friends overnight. I said, man, what in the world? I wanted to tell them about a peace that passeth all understanding. A peace that I finally had. God restored my marriage, put my wife and I back together. By the way, my wife's the one that brought me to Jesus. It's all her fault. Okay, so when I, when the Lord laid on my heart to go to Africa, I just kind of looked at her and she said, I'll go with you. You know, God took us through a lot of mountaintops and valley experiences, mountaintops and valley experiences, but I'm here to tell you that he's worthy. He's worthy no matter what. So this is my first book, From the Diamond to the Bush, and then... I don't know if I got angry, Jay. Maybe I just saw too many Christians sitting on the sideline. <coughs> Excuse me. I saw too many Christians getting offended. Not by the world, but by other Christians. Now, I grew up with two older brothers. 14 years older than me, 13 years older than me. Let me tell you something. I got beat up a lot, but they wanted to play sports. So here I am, six, seven years old. They're 21, 22 years old. By the way, both of my brothers are in the Texas High School Football Hall of Fame. They were athletes. So here's a little six-year-old kid running out for a pass, and the ball's already on its way, and I turn around, and it hits me in the face almost every time. <laughs> Bloody nose, cut lip. I'd start crying run to mama before I got in the house and said, we ain't going to play with you anymore. He said, you get back out there. Rub some dirt on it. 
get back in the game. I got to thinking, how many Christians get offended by what the pastor said or by so-and-so said or so-and-so? Keep your eyes on Jesus. I had a guy tell me one time, man, I've tried your Jesus. Let me tell you something, you never tried my Jesus. Because I've never got over my Jesus. Never got over him saving my soul. Now, there's been low times where I was depressed. And you go through those seasons of depression. Even Paul went through them in the book of Corinthians. He said, I had the sentence of death. I despaired even of life. But here's the thing. He always knew where to go to get his strength back. And that was back to the cross. It was back to that understanding the suffering. And so I wrote a little book back there, rub some dirt on it. That's the latest, Brother Jay, rub some dirt on it. And uh, get back in the game. Now these are each $10, so these are free. What it is, it's a little track. So when you go out soul winning or whatever, you know, you can open it up and explain salvation to somebody. I got a phone call two years ago. I'm in Atlanta preaching. Actually, it wasn't a phone call. It was a text. About 3.30 in the morning, my phone starts buzzing. So I looked at it. It was all in Spanish, Brother Jay. But I could read a little Spanish. You know, Jesucristo and Salvation. And so I just kind of, hey, can you put this in English? I didn't know who it was. I didn't know how they got my phone number. I, you know. And so he put it in English. He said, I just want you to know that someone gave me your track in Detroit and I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I said, praise the Lord. I said, who are you? He said, my name's Miguel Cabrera. Name rings a bell to me. I kind of know what's going on. I still follow the game. I said, I wrote back. I said, what do you do for a living? <laughs> he said, I play first base for the Detroit Tigers. Well, Miguel just got his 3,000 hit last year, if you know anything about that. Anyway, they do work. Why? Because it's the gospel. It's the gospel. Give them the gospel. Amen. Open your Bible anywhere. It's all good. <laughs> Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. I would like to, you know, someone asked me a while back, Jay, they said, you know, when you go to a church, do you, do you have something planned uh, prayed about or is it something new and 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 then a missionary asked me a question he said Bobby if you go to a church and you have one opportunity to preach you know what what, what are you going to preach and almost every time I go I'm going to preach Hebrews 11 you know why look at verse 6 look what it says there but without faith it is, what? Impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that, what? Diligently seek him. Will you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for this day. Lord, the praises. We pray that your windows have been opened in heaven that you've received the blessing, God. You are worthy, so worthy to be praised. So God, uh, in this quiet time and the Word of God time, Lord, move. Give us ears to hear. 
what the Spirit is saying to us, the church. Lord, may we behold your face, Lord, as we seek your face. Lord, to please you in this faith walk. God, do what you have to do this morning. Just speak to our hearts. Encourage us to get back in the game. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to preach it just a little bit different than I normally preach it. But I want you to look there at verse number 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders have obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. See, it all starts with the Word. You understand that? You know, when I first got to Africa many years ago, I did not go over there to make Americans out of them. I did not go over there to have an American church in an African culture. God just grabbed a hold of my heart about that. I had a young missionary come over, and I had started a Bible school over there, and I had about 25 students at the time. And one of my students asked the new missionary, who had been in the country about a month, asked the new missionary, are drums of the devil? And of course, the missionary goes, absolutely. They're of the devil. You should never have a drum. They're of the devil. And so, of course, I came in and to teach the next class, and hands were waiting. <laughs> Brother Bonner. Or drums of the devil. And I said, anybody got a drum? Go get me one. So they went over to the dormitory. They came back with a drum. I put it between my legs, and I just started beating on it. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Of course, I, I'm not musically inclined, Jay, as you know, okay? But uh, can't play an instrument, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, I looked at that, and I said, look, this is made of wood. It's got some animal skin on the top. It's an inanimate object. Whatever I do with that drum, I can play it for the devil or I can play it for the glory of God. Just like a piano. You know, there's more pianos in bars than there are drum sets. Remember the old Holiday Inn and cocktail hour, you know. And so, the next day, the missionary came to me and got right in my face. Young guy, been in the country less than, a, less than two months. Brother Barr, you're undermining my authority. I said, what authority do you think you have? I've been here 12 years. You've been here 12 minutes, okay? What authority do you think you have? And I had my Bible, and I looked at him. I said, this is my authority. Okay, show me in this book where drums are of the devil. Show me. He says, you know I can't show you that. I said, then why are you teaching it? See, the thing about a Zambian culture, this, we're trying to teach them to have this as their culture. The Word of God, not what the world says, not what the U.S. government says, but what does God say? What is God? See, His Word. You know that His Word in the book of Psalms, it says, Thy Word have I lifted up above Thine own name. 
You know what we need to do today? We need to engage the Word of God. You know that word engage, it means to capture, to capture. It means to seize it. It means to participate in it, to engage in the Word of God, to do battle. Let me tell you something. We're not, we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we better have the Word of God as our weapon, okay? And that shield of faith, and faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The helmet of salvation, protecting your mind. Let, them, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Okay, all those weapons that found over there in Ephesians, the armor of God, point to the fact that we need to be engaged in the Word of God. We need to believe it to the point to where, as Jeremiah said, it's my necessary food. I got to have it. I got to have it before I have anything else. Have you been tasting the Word of God this morning when you got up? Did you hear from God? Did you hear from him? Did you talk to him? You know, did he talk to you this morning from his word? We need to engage in the word of God. And then look what it says there in verse number four. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it being dead, yet speaketh. You see, we need to engage not only in the word, but it says in John and the word became what? Flesh. We need to engage in the worship of a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. From the time that those wise men came with those gifts, and they fell down and they what? They worshiped him. When those people in the New Testament came to Jesus to ask for healing, the Bible would say what? They worshiped him. They worshiped him. You see, if we're ever going to get a glimpse of heaven and a glimpse of glory, if we ever get to the place where this world is not my home, I'm just passing through, my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. If I'm ever going to get to that place where the world has no, you know, send me anywhere. I go anywhere. I remember 1983. A lot of people don't know this, but I got saved in 78. My older, one of my older brothers got saved in 1978. He asked me what I was going to do. We're like weeks apart, different towns. My brother asked me, he said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go back and play ball and be a testimony for Jesus. I'm going to use my platform of baseball to proclaim the gospel. Because people listen to me. I said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to go to Africa. I'm going to be a missionary. I said, wonderful. So a couple years later, I made it to the big leagues, 1980. My wife and I are driving to Texas. We take our time at the end of the season. We pull up to a funeral. My, they're burying my brother. He's 36 years of age, left three boys and a wife, dropped over dead of a heart attack at 36 years of age, never made it to Africa. So in 1983, when God revealed to me that baseball, that I loved it more than Jesus, I had to make a decision. See, I believed the word. I was reading my Bible. I was reading my Bible. But now God took me to that next step, 
to engage in God's person, to worship Jesus. See, we don't know what it means to worship today. You know, the first time the word worship appears, appears in Genesis 22. Okay? Genesis 22, verse 5. Abraham is taking Isaac, his only son, up to the mountain to what? To sacrifice him. Are you with me? Now, it says in verse 2, God speaks to Abraham and said, Take thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. First time the word love is mentioned in Scripture. Verse 5, first time the word worship is mentioned in Scripture. And he laid him on whatever it was up there, an altar. And he took up a knife and he's ready to what? To sacrifice him. You understand what worship is? Worship is giving to God what you love. Get a hold of that. Because nobody loved baseball more than me. My mama told me the first word I ever said wasn't mama, wasn't daddy, wasn't dada. It was ball. Before I could walk, I was rolling a ball. I'd get into the bed. I started crying that one of my brothers got in and got the ball for me. The only reason I would eat peas was because my mom would say, eat your little green balls. <laughs> she knew. I wanted to play ball. I played football, played basketball, ran track just because my dad ran track. I did that for him, not for me. I didn't, there were no balls you know, except shot put, but I wasn't strong enough to throw that thing. And so, and I played baseball. So in 1983, when God broke my heart of the first commandment that was given to the children of Israel, thou shalt have no other gods. Got any at home? Got any in your heart? What are your priorities? Boy, if Jesus... And your love for God is not number one. You better check it out. Because you'll never be able to worship God. In John 4, in spirit and in truth. Until Jesus has that right place in your heart and in your life. I remember when I was going to Africa, I remember our mission board president came to me. He says, are you ready to bury your wife and your girls in Zambia? Wow, think about that. 14-year-old, 12-year-old, 6-year-old, 4-year-old, wife, going to a place where I knew nobody. They did not know me, but I knew my Jesus. And I knew his promise. He would never leave me. He would never forsake me. And no matter what I would go through, his grace would be sufficient. And God has been so, so good to me. You see, by faith, Abel, verse 4, offered unto God a what? A sacrifice. That's worship, gang. That's worship. Are we worshiping Jesus? Are we engaged in God's person? And then look what it says in the next verse. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him 
For before his translation, he had this testimony that he what? He pleased God. And do you know Genesis 5 said Enoch what? He walked with God. You know, if you're walking with someone, you're going in the same direction. How's your walk? How's your walk today? Are you going in the same direction as Jesus and his word has been telling us? You know, where it says over in Psalm, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. It will lead me and guide me as I'm in the Word of God. But wait a minute, I'm not in the Word of God and and I'm not worshiping, but I want to walk with Him. Hey, 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 get back to the Word first. You're not going to know where to go unless you've got a light. You know why people don't want this? You know why people don't want to worship? It's because you've got to come to a light. And we got darkness in us. We got some secret sins we're holding on to that we think no one's seeing. No one's right. Let me tell you something. God sees. And the reason why we don't pray, the reason why we're not in the Word of God, the reason why we're not witnessing is why? Because we got some darkness in us and we're not in the light of the Word of God and we're not worshiping Him in spirit and truth. So we don't have a walk. You see, we have to engage in God's purpose. God has a purpose for us. Five times in less than 40 days before our Savior was taken out in the cloud, he told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the God. I've given you a purpose to walk with me and to take my word and teach people how to worship me in spirit and truth. Teach them how to walk with me. And then look what it says, the next guy, oh my. It says, verse 7, By faith Noah, being warned of things which seen, he yet moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world, became heirs of the rights which by faith. Are we engaging in God's provisions? Okay. You know, that's the difference between a work for God and a work of God. When it's a work of God, God is going to supply what you need to get the job done. You say, Brother Byron, why did you go to Zambia? I told God I go to Africa. Why Zambia? I was reading a book one day about a missionary by the name of David Livingston. He was lived in the 1800s, went to Zambia, Africa. David, I had the opportunity to read his personal diaries when I was in Africa. In his personal diaries, he said, God only had one son, and he made him a missionary. I like that. He also said, I never considered a command from my king a sacrifice. He says, it's a privilege to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But think about Noah. Never reigned on the earth. He wasn't a boat builder. Hello. Can you imagine? And then he wasn't a zookeeper. God brought the animals to him. Are you with me? 
He couldn't close that big old door. God had to shut him up in there. It was a work of God. So here we go. I get a tourist visa. My wife and I, we leave the kids in the States. We go over. We got three months to figure out how we're going to get in the country. Now, I'm in the Word. I'm worshiping God. I'm walking with him in my local church. Whatever the pastor meets, I meet. He says, go do this. I'm doing what God has called us to do according to the word of God. I'm doing all that. And now I go to Zambia and we go to immigration. And they say, well, who are you? Well, we're missionaries. We'd like to get in the country. And he he says, well, who, who invited you? I said, well, God did. He said, well, God hadn't told me. (laughs) And he said, even if he did, he said, you have to have 10 Zambians write a letter of recommendation for you to even get in the country. He said, do you know 10 Zambians? I asked him what his name was. (laughs) He laughed like you did. And he showed me a pile of organizations from around the world who were trying to get into Zambia to work, they were giving out no new work papers. None. But he did have a list of 100 NGOs, non-governmental organizations, already registered. So he gave me that list. So for the next two weeks, we traveled around by cab going to all these organizations. Can we get in the country? Can we get in the country? Who are you? No. Who are you? No. I'll know. So we don't know what to do. We're sitting at the hotel. Oh, by the way, <laughs> forgot to tell you, we've, we shipped our 40-foot container. It's already on the way, and we're not allowed to come in the country. Are you with me? So we're at the hotel, and we get a telex from Tanzania, Dar es Salaam. Your container's here. you got to go hire a truck to go pick it up, bring it into Zambia. So we look in the yellow pages, we take a cab down to this truck company, we go in, we talk to the accountant, we're talking to this guy, and he goes, welcome to my country. You're missionaries, oh, we love missionaries. I go, your country won't let us in the country. He goes, give me your paperwork. I said, who are you? You're an accountant. He goes, no, no, my father's the president of Zambia. That was T.J. Kaunda, the youngest son of Dr. K.K. Kaunda, the first president of the Republic of Zambia, dictator for 27 years. That was his son. We gave him our paperwork. He takes it to the state house. The next day, he calls on the phone down to immigration. There's not 10 names on there. There's one. (laughs) Dr. Kenneth Kaunda, president of the Republic of Zambia. Two weeks later, we're given an old abandoned mission station with 30 buildings on the site, 350 acres for free. Next thing, a man from the state decided... He wanted to get involved. So he paid for a builder, him and his wife, his two kids. He gave them monthly salary for the next two and a half years to go over to Kavulafuta to rebuild the mission, build our four houses that you guys probably slept in there, and sent over 12 40-foot containers with every type of supply. And I didn't even ask him to do it. Let me tell you something. I learned a little bit in my life walking by faith, walking in the Word of God, trusting what God says. Are you following me? See, we got to engage. we gotta, we got to unite. 
We got to yoke together. We got to join together in God's plan, His Word, in God's person, Jesus Christ in worship. We got to engage in God's purpose, in God's provisions, a work of God. Woo. And then last, look what it says by faith, Abraham. When he was called to go out to a place, he should have to receive for an inheritance, obey. <laughs> and he went out not knowing whether he went. Boy, did that, did that hit home when I read that. Wow. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise. Let me tell you something. This book is full of promises. Do you know them? He lived in the land of promise and what God said back there in the book of Genesis. He lived there in the promises of God. He said he sojourned there as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Look at verse 10. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You know why we won't engage it's because we've already engaged in something else. We've engaged in what this world system is offering. We've engaged in the being educated by people who have no clue and no faith. We need to be engaged. We've got to start right here in His Word. Are you born again here today? The Bible says that you're not born again of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Have you been born again? Can you go back to a time and place that you got saved? You know, I know my oldest daughter, Angela, I think I baptized her three or four times <laughs> before she finally got saved. And you know, when she got saved, she got saved. You know, young people, you can't live off your parents' faith. You've got to have a walk of your own. And it starts in the Word and in the worship of our Savior. And then we can what? Then we can walk with Him. And then He'll give us something to do. And then where? Maybe it's Huntsville. Maybe it's Kapulafuta. Maybe it's wherever. I'm so thankful. Two years ago, we turned everything we started, Brother Jay, over to the Nationals. They run that. Men that we've trained, faithful men. Faithful men, Elijah Pulley, Barry Katongo, Alex Chippy, Douglas Sakawaha, and others turned that work. They have five institutes all the way around Zambia where they train church planters. We've been able to see over 300 churches planted, most in the bush. You say, well, Brother Barton, what are you doing now? I'm going back to Africa, but I'm going into the major cities. You see, we no longer, we still work in the bush, don't get me wrong, but God has renewed a vision for international African missions, and that's to go into the major cities. Why? 
because the cities are just becoming international over there. One of the churches we have over right there right now, 50 Chinese have been born again and baptized and are being pastored by a black Zambian man by the name of Samuel Banda. Funniest thing you ever saw. (laughs) These cities are becoming international. And we want to go into the cities and plant churches and train others in these cities. So I want you to I want to make you aware of that. Please pray for us. Pray for International Africa. Pray for me. Pray for my health. I told the Lord I'm going to do this until you take me home. So if he takes me home tomorrow, don't worry about it. It's okay. I'm with Jesus. Don't worry about that. You know, I, I'm thinking about recording my own funeral. So when I do die, there'll be a video up here. And if anybody comes, I'm going I'm to name names. Except I'm going to be in heaven, okay? But anyway, it'll be pretty good, won't it, Jay? You know, hey, you told me a long time ago you was going to go. You didn't go. Where are you going? What are you doing for the Lord? Rub some dirt on it. Get back in the game. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You've been offended? Put it aside. Come back to Jesus and serving. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for the time, Lord. I know I'm preaching to the choir. I understand that. But I also understand many times in the choir, people lip sync. They don't sing from their hearts sometimes. Lord, we, we hide things from you. Sometimes we're even ashamed to say and look into our lives and say, you know what, I may not be saved. I may not even be born again. I've just been going through the motions. Wow. Why don't you come back or come to the one we sang about today, about Jesus. Make him your all and all and everything priorities in our lives. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, strength, and might. And then you can love your neighbor as yourself. Oh God, we got to put our love for you first. And that love comes with worship. Giving to you what we love because we love you more. Lord, we love our time. Oh, we... We like to be comfortable. We like our comfort. God, please, forgive us. Forgive us. Cleanse our hearts right now, I pray. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Don't want to look around and ask questions. Anyone here today say, Brother Bobby, I'm not sure if I would die right now. If I were to die where I would spend eternity, please pray for me. Anyone like that? Anyone have the courage to raise their hand and say, pray for me, Bobby? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Let me ask you questions. Anyone here say, Brother, I pray for me. I have not been in the Word like I should. I'm not even sure if I, thank you for your hand, already went up. I'm not even sure if I really believe it. I mean, you know, it's, it's been written by man, tampered with man. That's the faith. The trust that Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away. My word shall not pass away. God, your hand has been on your book. They've tried to burn it. They've tried to 
bad interpretation and everything else of it, but it's still here because it's eternal. How many would say, Brother Bobby, the Lord spoke to my heart about worship today. Would you pray for me? Anyone like that here? God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Father, you've seen the hands, God. You do a work today. As the music is playing, Lord, there's something about coming to an altar. I don't know what it is. There's something about coming. Let's all stand. As the music is playing, if God has spoke to your heart, Pastor, you come. And let's uh, do business with God. Colin's going to lead us. I want to ask you, man, if you've got something between you and the Lord that needs to be dealt with, man, let's do it now. And like Brother Bobby said, man, that you can, you can pray right where you are, but I know this in my life when I come to an altar and pray, man, I can do business with God. And there may be some things that you need to leave here today because truly you worship something more than the person of Christ. Man, that's idolatry. Man, that's wickedness. And man, it may be, it may be a good thing. It may be a job. It may be a hobby. It may even be family. He has to have the preeminence in our life. So I want to invite you to come. Colin's going to lead us. Colin's going to sing and play. But would you come and just do business with the Lord? We'll sing a couple of verses. I invite you to come. Lord, I come. I confess. Bowing here, I found my Without you.
Amen. Amen, amen, church. Good day to be in the house. Again, thank you for being here today. Thank you, Brother Bobby. Man, praise the Lord. Let's, let's be men and women of faith. And we read Hebrews 11. We read each of those stories. We see how God used mightily men of faith. And, and what God could do with one person full of faith. What could God do with 150 people full of faith? How could, how could God get the glory in this city, in our community, in the world, through people just full of faith, willing to walk with him. And I think we can trust God for great things because he is a great God. Amen. He is a great God. Thank you again for being here today.